0: Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California, conversations on issues impacting
1: Californians of all ages. Here's your host, Theon Gordon.
0: Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Join us as we dive into issues and policies that impact Californians of all ages, but particularly older adults, and learn how you can connect with AARP to make our state more livable for all. I am an AARP volunteer and your host, Dr. Theon Gordon. Today, we're joined by special guest, Dr. Margot Cushell. Margot Cushel, MD, is a professor of medicine and division chief at the Division of Vulnerable Populations at Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital and Trauma Center, and director of the UCSF Center for Vulnerable Populations and UCSF Benioff Homelessness and Housing Initiative. Margot's research focuses on the complex interactions between health and housing, and she has a particular interest in homelessness in older adults. Cachelle, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: We are glad to have you here, and we're going to get started right away. As a California resident, I actually see homelessness every day. It's grim. It's sad. But to help us get started, can you paint a picture for the listeners with the data? What is the state of homelessness in California today?
1: Absolutely. And it is grim and sad and unacceptable. In California, every day, we have 171,000 Californians who experience homelessness. And two-thirds of those are outside or in their cars. They're called on shelter. Homelessness in California is rampant. We have one of the highest rates of homelessness in the country, and certain populations are dramatically overrepresented. Black Californians, Latinx Californians, Indigenous Californians are homeless at rates far exceeding their rates in the population as a whole. And the other thing we're seeing is increasingly, this is an aging population. Increasingly, it's older adults who are experiencing this horrific
0: problem. Wow, that's a lot to take in. And this issue, I know it's California, it seems to be out of control. Why are there so many people in California experiencing homelessness?
1: The answer is actually quite simple, although the solution seems to have eluded us. The reason that there are so many people experiencing homelessness in California is we simply don't have the housing to meet the needs of our lowest-income Californians. In California, we're one of the worst states in the nation on this metric. We have, for every 100, extremely low-income households. Those are households that are poor, whose household income is less than 30% of the median income of the area in which they live. To give you a sense of this, there are 1.3 million extremely low-income households in California. For every 100 of those households, we have only 24 units of housing that they could afford at an affordable amount of money, meaning that only one quarter as many housing units for the people that need it. That means in California, we are 1 million units shy of where we need to be. When you're extremely low income, you really can't afford to spend more than 30% of your income on housing. And yet our housing costs are so high and our supply of housing is so low that most Californians experiencing deep poverty are either homeless or at very high risk of homelessness.
0: There's a myth that people come to California to be homeless because of the weather or services. Can you? Talk about that a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Simply put, it's just not true. California is actually a pretty horrible place to be homeless. People who become homeless stay homeless a really long time, despite our best efforts Are really just suffering terrible fate. It really isn't true. We just completed a large statewide study of homelessness. We'll be releasing the full results in June. But what we found was that 90% of people experiencing homelessness lost their housing in California. Interestingly, many of the other 10% were people who were from California, lost their housing somewhere else and came to California thinking they could stay with a family member or something and it didn't work out. Homelessness in California is overwhelmingly California. I think it was about three quarters of people who were homeless in California were born in California, which is actually higher than the population as a whole. These are Californians who've lost their housing. I thought when you said there was a myth, I was wondering if you might be talking about another myth, which is that people are homeless because of mental health or substance use problems. And the truth of the matter is, when you ask the question, like you asked me right before, why are there so many people homeless in California? It's because of the housing, as I said. And in fact, if you compare regions of the country it is exactly correlated. The regions that have low amounts of housing for poor people have high amounts of homelessness. What isn't related is regions that have a lot more people who struggle with mental health or substance use disorders. Those regions often are regions with more affordable housing and there are fewer people who are experiencing homelessness. I really like to use this analogy to explain why people are homeless. The reason that so many people are homeless in California is we don't have the housing. If you ask the question though, why is this person homeless? Then you can see how things like illness, including mental health or substance use, can leave you vulnerable. One of my favorite metaphors is the metaphor of musical chairs. If you've ever played a game of musical chairs with your kids, perhaps, You know, there'll be 10 kids and 10 chairs and they walk around the chairs as music is playing and then the adult turns the music off and right before they turn the music off, they pull away a chair. And then the 10 remaining kids scramble for the nine remaining chairs. If you thought of a birthday party where one of the kids the night before sprained her ankle, comes to the party on crutches, they don't really fit. She doesn't really know how to use them. If you had to guess, who was going to be left standing when you pulled away a chair, it'd be a pretty good guess to say it was the kid on crutches. So if you ask the question, why is this person homeless? It is the person who's facing difficulties. And that is often people with mental health or substance use problems. But if you ask the question, why is there a kid standing? Well, there's a kid standing because there are only nine chairs. If you had had 10 chairs, the kid on crutches would have made her way back to the chair. And if you didn't have a kid on crutches, but you had only nine chairs, either two kids were going to be sitting on each other or someone was going to be standing. I think we have such a severe, persistent problem in California. We simply don't have enough chairs. We kind of have about 2.4 chairs for every 10 kids. That that's why we have so much homelessness. People sort of don't want to see that. So they think, oh, it must be people coming to our state because of the weather, or they think... Oh, it must be because we have so much mental health and substance use problems, neither are true. And if we want to solve the problem, we have to understand the real cause so that we can get to the solution.
0: Wow, that is a lot of good information. And just to think, it sounds like housing is the main problem. And it seems like a simple solution
1: A simple solution that eludes us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is interesting to see how much we will let our own myths predominate. And that's simply not going to get us where we need to go.
0: It certainly won't.
1: It won't. It's a big problem. It's been a long time coming. It took us a long time to get into this mess. And unfortunately, it's going to take us a long time to get out of this mess. But if we try to solve the wrong problem, If we keep sort of talking about the wrong causes, we're never going to get to the solution.
0: Absolutely. Now, you mentioned in one of the previous questions I asked, and in your answer, you mentioned that our homeless population is also 50 plus community. And studies show that our homeless population is aging by the minute, it seems like. Can you speak more on this data? Absolutely. The
1: population of people experiencing homelessness is increasingly people 50 and older. We did some research many years ago looking at this question because, to be honest, when I started working in homelessness, I used to give lots of talks saying, you know, people experiencing homelessness are 25 to 44. And then I continued to work as a physician, treating many people who are homeless, and I started to notice. But well, this person isn't 25 to 44, they're older, and this person isn't. So we actually realized that we had a way to look at this. And we looked at a series of studies that our research group had conducted since the early 1990s in San Francisco. And we found that in 1990, 11% of people experiencing homelessness were 50 plus. And in 2003, 37% were. Right now, In our big statewide study of homelessness, almost half of people experiencing homelessness are 50 plus. We are just a few tiny bits under half. The median age of single homeless adults is 48, meaning half of single homeless adults are less than 48 and half are more. So almost half of the population is 50 plus, and this is gonna continue. The fastest rising group of people experiencing homelessness are those who are 65 and older. And that is going to continue increasing until about 2030.
0: Increasing. This is, oh, this is disturbing. It is really
1: disturbing.
0: Now, we know that housing is a problem, but why is this occurring? What is causing people ages 50 plus to experience their first time homeless?
1: We learned a few more things. One is, and this is from my colleague, Dr. Dennis Calhane at University of Pennsylvania. He realized that people born in the second half of the baby boom, about 1955 to about 1964, have been at increased risk of homelessness throughout their lifetime. This is a really big group of people. We know that people born in second half of baby booms often lose out, right? Because the first half of people, the big population bubble sort of gets all the jobs and it's harder for the people in the second half of the population bubble. This has been seen before. But we also know that this group of people experienced a lot of bad luck throughout their early adult life. This was a group of people who came of age during a recession. People who come of age during a recession never quite make up that lost income. This is a group of people who came of age in the beginning of the era of mass incarceration. So many of them got caught up in the war against drugs and other things. And we know that people who spend any time in our carceral settings, really face burdens the rest of their life. And most importantly, this was a group of people who entered the housing market right at the time when the federal government decreased its support for affordable housing. So lots of bad luck. But then that left the question, are these the same people who became homeless in their 20s and 30s and remained homeless? Or is there something else going on? And we found that almost half of single adults who are 50 and older first became homeless after the age of 50. The reasons that they became homeless, these were folks who had not had significant mental health or substance use problems throughout their lives. These are people who had worked throughout their lives generally in very physically demanding, low paying jobs. They worked one or two jobs at a time throughout their life, just scraping by. And then sometime after the age of 50, something happened. That something was generally one of four things. Either their marriage broke up, they lost their job, they became ill or their spouse or partner became ill, decreasing their ability to work and leaving them vulnerable to homelessness or their spouse or partner died or their parent died. Lots of men, let's say, in their early 50s, who had worked really hard their whole lives and lived with mom. And when mom passed, their name wasn't on the lease. They didn't have mom's income or social security to help pay the rent. And they found themselves out on the street.
0: That is a sad story. Again, this problem seems to be taking over. And I think, as you said, it doesn't seem like it's getting better. Is this a trend in the homeless population that it expected to continue?
1: Yeah, I think unfortunately, we're going to continue to see this aging population be disproportionately impacted. We know that folks 50 and older are some of the most rent burdened folks in the country, meaning that they're more likely than younger people to spend a very large proportion of their income on their housing. They often are in fixed incomes. If you're working a physically demanding job, It's really hard to keep working as you age in those jobs. For folks who have sit-down sort of desk jobs, they often can thrive working until their 60s or 70s. But if you're working these really physically demanding jobs, you maybe haven't had great access to healthcare throughout your life, your body's showing the wear and tear of this work, you're really at high risk for experiencing homelessness. And this really disproportionately impacts people of color who are much less likely because of our many forms of racism in this country to have been able to be homeowners, which is a form of protection against homelessness, not only for you, but for your loved ones. People who are renters, not only are they more vulnerable in these fast rising housing markets to perhaps being evicted because the house is very valuable and someone feels like they could get more money out of another renter, but also if you're a renter, it's much harder to take your family member in when they're going through hard times. So if you're a homeowner, you can sort of say, oh, this is my relative, they're going through a hard time, they can come stay with me. What we hear over and over again is many of these seniors who are first-time homeless have family members who love them, adore them, wanna care for them, but those family members are constrained, they're fighting against the same forces of unaffordable housing, of tight renter's markets, of risk of being evicted, and it makes it harder for them to help.
0: And it goes right back to that housing challenge.
1: It all comes back to housing. I sometimes feel like I'm a broken record, but it really is all about the housing. And if we want to solve this problem, we need to use all of our collective muscle, all of our political muscle, all of our advocacy muscle to advocate for the real solutions, which is housing that's affordable for the lowest income household. And all of us who care about seniors, people 50 and older, need to realize that this is the population most at risk in this brutal housing market.
0: Absolutely. And when you think of seniors and those 50 plus being homeless, I can only imagine that there are different challenges that older adults face while they experience homelessness. Can you speak to that?
1: Absolutely. Being homeless is hard on anyone, but boy, for people 50 and over, it is particularly hard. One of the things we found is that people who are 50 and older and homeless had health problems that were much more similar to people who were in their 70s and 80s in the general population. Geriatricians like to say, age is just a number. And often what they mean by that is that there are 75 year olds who are climbing mountains, you know, and it's sort of a state of mind. But I like to turn it back and say, age is just a number. If you've lived your life in deep poverty, if you've had adverse childhood experiences that we know age you, if you have every day of your life experience the insidious effects of racism. If you have worked really physically demanding jobs your whole life, if you haven't had great access to health care, to healthy diets, to clean air, to all of the things that tend to accrue to people who are wealthier and really disadvantage people who are poor or people of color in this country, you just age faster. And so what I like to say to people is, When you think of people 50 and older and homeless, don't think of the image of like the 50-year-old lawyer or something. Think of someone who's 75 or 80. So what we see is people having difficulty with their activities of daily living, with buttoning up clothes, with using the toilet, people who are having trouble with their mobility, having trouble with their memory, having trouble with incontinence, Imagine facing all of those things and living outside. What we see is that people are victimized much, much more than you would expect. People get beat up. They are threatened. People are exposed to the elements. People have many chronic diseases that, you know, as we know, as we age, we start needing more medicine and things. They don't have a place to store their medicine. Their medicine gets stolen. They can't take their medicine they are scared they are hungry they are often victimized they have things like falls low vision their glasses get stolen or crushed it is a really 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 difficult life and unfortunately it leads to people not only being hospitalized but people dying very prematurely and often alone
0: Yeah, that is not a good state to be in. And I can only imagine as we age, our body already is going through difficult health challenges many times. I hear when I'm hiking, everyone's always saying, oh, my knees, we need to change our shoes, you know, different things like that. So to think of someone being homeless and having to deal with those same type of issues, it can be very challenging. There's a complex interaction between health and homelessness particularly for older adults. Can you speak on that a bit?
1: Yeah, we call this interaction what we call bi-directional, meaning it goes in both directions. For many people, their poor health left them at risk of homelessness. We see people who have a stroke, let's say, and can no longer do their physically demanding job. Their knees or their back are not what they used to do and their arthritis is worse and they can't do a job, let's say. So it decreases their earning and increases the chance that they become homeless. Let's say they have some early dementia. It's harder to keep up with their bills. They become homeless. So in that way, being in poor health can increase the chance that you become homeless. But homelessness has horrific impacts on people's health think about everything we think about as leading a healthy life as seniors, and homelessness is like the opposite. You don't get good sleep, you have no place to really sleep, you can't get healthy food, you can't rest, you can't get to your doctor, and you can't get medicines or keep medicines. So homelessness, you're exposed, let's say, to the elements. It's been rainy here in California this winter. All of these folks 50 and up are like sitting outside. You're exposed to violence. And then when you get sick, it's harder to get things addressed. It's hard to get to the doctor if you've got to take three buses there and you don't even have money for a bus and you don't have a cell phone or an address to get a reminder letter. And frankly, you're just spending every day just trying to stay alive. Maybe the last thing on your mind is, oh, I really should go and get this checked out. And so people's chronic health problems are poorly controlled, diabetes, high blood pressure, that kind of thing, and small problems become big because it's too hard to get them taken care of. So poor health leads people to homelessness, but homelessness really leads people to poor health.
0: Well, from the information that you've shared today, it sounds like prevention is better than intervention. And so what is currently being done in California to prevent and address homelessness? So there is a
1: lot of energy in the state right now to try to solve this problem because we're at such a tipping point. You see large state investments in things like deeply affordable housing. To be honest, the state is doing a terrific job, although we need a lot more help from the federal government. And I know sometimes people get frustrated because they're like, gosh, there's so much money being spent. But often the money being spent is sort of like money on the emergency room, right? But you got to stop the people getting hit by cars, right? You got to stop the problem where it is because homelessness is expensive. But things that are being done are, you know, an increasing focus on trying to increase our supply of housing for very low income folks with that number of 24 units has creeped up from a low of 21 a couple of years ago. We need to get much closer to 100, but at least we're going in the right direction. And then there's this idea of what we call targeted prevention, of trying to find the people who are most at risk of homelessness and getting to them before they become homeless. Because once folks become homeless, everything sort of falls apart. And it winds up costing much more money and being much harder and costing a lot of suffering, right, to get people before they're homeless. And so there are a couple interesting things. There are a lot of local projects looking at things like rent subsidies for really poor seniors who are thought to be at high risk of homelessness. There's also a program now that has been expanded throughout the state engaging adult protective services workers and giving them resources to prevent homelessness. So if someone is referred to them because they are engaging, let's say, in self-neglect, their neighbor notices that they're no longer able to care for themselves, where they're being exploited by someone, they're being abused, anything like that, any referral to adult protective services People are now being evaluated to see if they're at risk of homelessness. And if they are, the APS agencies have resources to do things like to pay back rent, to get legal help, to help clean out a place, to help find someone a new place. There is some effort being done. We need to keep those efforts up and expand them because, as you say You know, we can't really solve this problem by only looking at what to do with the people who are experiencing homelessness. We need to stop it at the source. We've seen places like Los Angeles do a terrific job of housing many people who are homeless, but for every person they housed, 1.7 fell into homelessness. And so we really have to beef up our efforts to prevent homelessness before it starts.
0: Now, we talked a little on the show a while back on tiny homes and shared living and things like that. Are those areas that the state has anything or AARP has anything to contribute to or resources that our listeners could go to?
1: I think shared housing is something that we are going to need to look more into. It has to be done well. You can't take two people who are very, very different and sort of stick them together and expect it to work. On the other hand, we have such a shortage of housing that sometimes that we have is some more bigger units, two bedrooms, three bedrooms, that it would be less expensive to match people up and to allow them to live together. I would love to see more action to help families care for their own loved ones. There's this myth out there that everyone who's homeless is homeless because they've lost ties with their family, and it's just not true. We see many seniors who are deeply engaged in their family, but their family is sort of swimming upstream trying to help them. I think tiny homes and the like are a reasonable form of shelter, although probably not housing. There's a lot to be said, that people are more likely to go to emergency shelter if they've got some privacy if they can bring their pets and their you know their other person let's say their partner and their belongings tiny homes offer a new model for shelter where people don't have to be in a room with you know 400 other people and that might be a good thing to do but tiny homes themselves are not a form of long-term housing I think we need to look under every rock. While we struggle to create more housing, we have to use the housing that we have better. And we know that there are many seniors who maybe they lived in the family house and their kids left and they've got some extra bedrooms and they're having trouble making rent or mortgage. Maybe we can do a better job of matching folks who've got, let's say, an extra bedroom to somebody else who is a good match for them, who needs an extra bedroom. They could split expenses. They could be companions. I think that we need to try, frankly, everything. And we need to realize that sometimes we can prevent homelessness by finding people who really what they need is to double up with somebody else. It's going to work better if people can identify friends if they get some support so that if people are getting on each other's nerves, there's some place that they can go for help. But I think that we need to look really under every rock and use the housing that we currently have as well as we can while we struggle to create
0: more. And, you know, that goes along with the solo aging episode that we did. With solo aging, one of the areas that was shared was to find people to meet, people in community centers or talk with younger people, talk with people from different generations. And I know for me, I love the idea of shared housing, probably because I grew up with seven siblings. So I had a small house with a big old family and lots of love and lots of community. And so I do open my home to others and it helps with paying the bills and it also provide some company. As I was an empty nester with my daughter growing up and growing out, now I have some young people living right here in the house with me. And it really helps to just have company and then we get to support each other. Their contribution assists with the household as well as any information I can share with them on buy a house, have some property, they get to learn as well. I
1: love this idea. And I think, as I said, we need to try everything and we can't think that everybody needs to live alone. And we need to be creative. We need to find where there are barriers. We need to help people match with other people who they would be compatible with. We need to give people agency and choice. You can't just sort of cram people together and expect them to go, you know, to do it well. But I think we need more opportunities to make better use of the housing that we have. And there are very few win-wins in this world. And to me that seems like it could be a win-win. You share the cost, you have companionship, you provide more housing for others who really need it.
0: And it teaches you to be a little more tolerant and patient. Yes. <laughs> so absolutely. you get to learn all good, yes. all good things. Yes. So how can our listeners advocate and get involved to help solve the issue of homelessness in California.
1: I think the first thing is to understand the causes. The causes here, as we've said again and again, are the dramatic lack of affordable housing in your churches, in your neighborhood groups, you know, in your when you hear people say, Oh, it's all these people coming in from outside of California or it's all about the drugs or whatever, push back against that. Understand what the real problems are. Get involved. You know, I would love my neighbors to all have housing. And when there's an opportunity to create that housing, I show up and I say, yes, please build that housing. Unfortunately, the people who are like, yeah, I would love to have an apartment building nearby that offered housing for a wide range of people, They usually don't show up, and who shows up? The people who don't want it. And so be aware and advocate, don't be a bystander. Show up and say, we need to solve this problem, we all need a part of it, these are not aliens, these are us, these are our friends and neighbors. Call your elected officials at every level of government, the local level, the state level, and definitely at Congress, who could really end this problem tomorrow. If they chose to, call them and say, I'm a voter, and I know that the solution to homelessness is housing, and I want you to do everything you can to create more housing for our lowest income renters. I think if we took all of our upset and outrages in our churches, at our potlucks, in our book groups, and we helped everyone understand what the roots of this problem were, And if we took our precious free time and actually showed up for our neighbors. I always joke that when I go to these meetings, there are always people in matching t-shirts opposing any low-income housing. But what you don't see is I want an army of people in matching t-shirts saying, yes, please create low-income housing in my neighborhood. We in California will thrive when all Californians have the safety and the dignity of home we all win when we solve this problem this isn't us against them this is a true win win for california if we can build the california that really holds up to its promise of a place of opportunity of safety for all of us
0: okay i love that and i love that that we all win when we're all housed It absolutely makes sense. I would much rather have the low-income housing in my area than to have people living on the street or in their cars in my area, because now we see homelessness everywhere. We just see it absolutely everywhere.
1: Absolutely. And so we need folks on that Tuesday night, when there probably is something that sounds like more fun, to zoom in to that local meeting, to show up at that meeting and say, yes, I am a neighbor here and I would love this housing near me because we all win when all of our neighbors are housed.
0: Absolutely. Well, Dr. Kushel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you have any last comments before we conclude the interview?
1: I like to say as a physician that there is no medicine as powerful as housing and I know that we in California can do hard things. I know we can solve this problem, but we all need to be part of the solution. We all need to recognize that we will all thrive when all Californians have a safe and affordable place to live.
0: Well, Dr. Koschel, no words have been spoken truer. I love that housing as medicine. Thank you so much for joining us on In Clear Terms with AARP California. This was an incredible, informative conversation. Again, we've had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Margot Kushel, Professor of Medicine and Division Chief at the Division of Vulnerable Populations at Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital and Trauma Center and the Director of the UCSF Center for Vulnerable Populations and UCSF Benioff Homelessness and Housing Initiative. In future episodes, we look forward to hosting experts who can shed light on critical issues in our state, how AARP California is working to ensure the voices of those age 50 plus is heard, and how you, our listeners, can learn more and act on these important decisions. Thank you for listening to In Clear Terms with AARP California.